Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are going to pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago, talking about the 14 rules of financial peace and how to build real wealth now. And this is part three, actually. And this is a topic, as you guys know, have read our books and listened to us for a long period of time, is near and dear to our hearts. This is a topic that a lot of people are resistant to listen to, grateful when they've heard. And that's the, you know, when Julie and I talk about money and we talk about wealth building, we talk about all these things, it makes people, generally speaking, a little bit uncomfortable because you're forced to be introspective about your own financial situation and oftentimes you don't like what you discover. And here's what I'm here to tell you guys. We've all, Julian and myself included, have been in that exact same situation before. You know, you, we know what it's like to basically be beyond broke. We know what it's like to basically dig yourself out. We know what it's like to build wealth. And we know what it's like to basically make yourself rich where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. So if dummies like us can do it, so can you. So just keep that in mind as we're going through these points. This stuff is um, – here's the blessing that all of you find yourselves in, and I hope you feel and see it the same way, is the fact that you have a real estate license gives you the opportunity, the ease of creating wealth that a normal civilian does not have. You, because you can create uh, wealth through deals and transactions and obviously through commissions and just being creative and being urgent and all the things we teach as part of our coaching program. So you are in the right place at the right time as far as your opportunity to basically create everlasting long-term wealth for yourself but I want you to remember this, and those of you who take notes, I know a lot of you do, I want you to remember what we're about to tell you. Selling real estate does not make you rich. Please remember I told you that because it's true. It's what you do from the profits from selling real estate that makes you rich. So in order for you to be rich from selling real estate, what's the word that I haven't mentioned yet? That's right, profit. So you have to be able to generate profits from selling real estate, and that's oftentimes the, you know, the one thing that keeps all of you guys from having enough, you know, cash flow to start accumulating assets that produce wealth for you is because you have no profit or not enough profit to do anything other than to pay your bills. And the cycle of that can last your entire life. And that's the reason, according to the Social Security Administration, that most people, when they reach retirement age, are either dependent on the government or their family member, you know, Social Security or just basically handouts from their family in order just to basically keep the lights on. And many of you are on that same track, and you know it. And you're going to have to be proactive about it and accept the fact that maybe your software that you have with regards to wealth accumulation is a little screwed up, and it's now your responsibility to take charge of that while you still have time um, to actually make the numbers work for you. And I'm telling you that in the most direct way I feel comfortable saying on this podcast, but Julie and I had all those same mooring lines when we were trying to figure it all out ourselves. And we're still figuring it out. Don't you know, I'm not sort of, you know, preaching on top of our mountain saying we have the secret and I'm not waving a book up in the air. What I'm saying to you is, is that all of us have certain belief structures around being rich and wealth accumulation that oftentimes are insidious. You don't know that they're floating around in your head, but they are there and they are preventing you from actually gaining wealth and ever being financially independent. 
Um, we talk about this in our best-selling book, Harris Rules, and I'm going to mention it here, and then we're going to get to the next point. And I want you to, again, I want you to think about this. Please think about this and consider it, and don't reject what I'm about to say, because, again, it raises eyebrows when we talk about this in the live event. Nobody wants you to be rich. Nobody wants you to be rich. Not a single person on planet Earth wants you to be rich, because when you're rich, you're breaking free of a system that they are then having to force themselves to uh, question belonging to themselves. And I'll give you a real, I'll give you a personal example, okay? Um, and I told this story before, and, and always basically I can't, I haven't told it enough, or it hasn't been enough time that I don't feel a little bit emotional when I tell you the story, but it's true. So Julie and I, in our first year in business in real estate, when our, we were early 20s, we broke all kinds of records and we sold over 100 houses our first year in business. Now we're Julie and I are somewhere in our 40s, and we've been married for close to 30 years. So this is, you know, this is back in the 90s. Okay, we were right out of college. We bought our first house when we were actually still in college. But our first year in business, we sold over 100 houses, 103 with the pendings. Um, that was more money certainly than we'd ever earned before. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. But it was also more money than Julie's dad had ever earned, my dad had ever earned. It was more money than basically anybody we knew had ever earned. Uh, our first year in business, we basically – we didn't even – we weren't, you know, business geniuses, you know, no. We weren't even really keeping track of how many houses we were selling, how much money we were earning. Um, we didn't really do that until towards the end of the year where we just stopped and took a breath and then started adding things up. I'm telling you the truth. So Julie and I had this huge, you know, year, and then we always – from there forward, we were always selling between 100 and 200 houses per year for the next 10 years, and that's basically when we started to pivot towards the coaching business. But here's what happened. Um, we had never experienced that much money before. We didn't really know what to do with it. We just put it in the bank. We paid off all of our student loans. We, you know, we were living in this little hobble of a house in Beachwald, Ohio, you know, in Clintonville. And um, we thought, well, let's go out and splurge. You know, Julie and I like cars. I like cars more than Julie does. So we went out and bought a slightly used 19, I forget what it was, but it was a BMW M3. And my dad, who had got me into cars, who loved cars, I was just so excited to show it to him. Like I was wanting my dad to see how successful we'd been our first year, and I wanted him to actually be proud of us, and I wanted him to enjoy and and experience the same thing that I was feeling from basically having accomplished this with Julie. We hadn't even married that long, you know? No one in in the history of our families had ever done anything like that. It was totally unprecedented. I come from normal people. Julie comes from generations of preachers and school teachers, just like generations going all the way back to (laughs) Europe. You know, my people are basically all the same way, you know, just normal people. And, um, and here, Julie and I are these, have not, you know, we're these weirdos that are all of a sudden doing something in sales. And, you know, we had support from no one. And then I remember we drove into the driveway and I went and knocked on the door and, you know, the, my parents' house and my you know, mom walks out first and she's, you know, being a good mom. Oh, it's not very nice. What is it? Is that it? Are you showing me a car? What am I supposed to be looking at kind of thing? And then my dad walks out takes one look at the car, slams the door, and literally doesn't talk to me for a year. That happened. And it was almost exactly a year, too, which was crazy. And I never understood why he acted that way. Like, and I only – now, this, this was a long time ago. Um, you know, I've never talked to him. He's pa- he passed away in 2009. I obviously forgive him. I, I've let it go more or less. You guys probably can hear I haven't completely <laughs> let it go because it really did hurt. Um, but what that taught me was, and I didn't understand the significance of me having had that experience. Why did I have to experience that? Fortunately, obviously, Julia was there, you know, and she saw it and she understood. And, and so it's because of this, because in the future, little did I know then 
Julie and I would have the opportunities to tell you about that experience, to tell you that when you start breaking free and breaking clear of the golden cage of the, you know, your current reality, you're going to have people that are going to start to reject you too. And the ones that hurt the most are like the ones I experienced, the people that should care about you the most. But what happens is in their minds, you're essentially shining a light on something that for them has always been a, uh, a problem, finances or accumulation of money or maybe the, just who knows what garbage is floating around in their brains. And they have core belief structures around the idea that uh, you are essentially supposed to stay within your – you're supposed to stay within your caste, right? And those of you guys know what caste system is, you know what I'm talking about. You're not supposed to break free of it. So the, the Julie caste and the Tim caste – we're supposed to follow the same you know, career and life paths as everyone else had, and how dare we step outside of that and want something more? Who knows, right? I'm, you know, I'm only speculating what people think because I don't think like that, neither does Julie. Um, and so that was an experience we had, and, and I've been able to share, though not as direct telling you the actual words, to, on coaching clients when they experience pushback and rejection from their friends and family members when they're on their way to uh, being rich. And here's the definite two, in two thoughts, and then we're going to get to the rest of Julie's points. Your, the amount of uh, riches you have, and I'm going to define rich. Rich is where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. That's it. It's where you, now that for you, it might be $5,000 a month. So if you have $5,000 a month um, coming in, you might be rich. Paying all your bills, you're comfortable. It might be 10,000, might be 20,000. It might be, does not matter. But really, our definition of rich is quite simple. Where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money. You can go to the beach today. You don't have to do a single thing, and you're still making money that particular day. Um, we tell you a lot about how to get started thinking like this in our treasure map, which you can get for free. All you have to do is text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. And we're going to walk you through the sort of self-discovery of all these things. Because I know about 5 or 6% of you are listening, and you're really excited about what I'm saying. So just go ahead and text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. And there's six free books we give you, but the one we want you to download the first is Real Estate Treasure Map. Get started downloading that. So here's what happens. is when you start, when they, uh, you're not going to have to as long as you basically stay the course with the belief that your ultimate goal is to be rich where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money. Now the next little you know, mind meld that's going to have to happen is you're going to have to realize, and I'm going to hopefully save you guys the learning curve, that there's a direct relationship or correlation between the number of people that you help accomplish their goals and the amount of goals that you're going to be able to accomplish yourself. So if you're living, not living the life that you want, but the level of just whatever you want it to be, your kids aren't going to the schools you want them to go to, you're not wearing the clothes you want to, you're not, just the whole thing, your existence on this planet is a mere shadow of what it could potentially be, and you know it. That's the painful part of when you actually know it. There, the reason that you're experiencing this diminished version of yourself isn't because anybody did anything to you, isn't because of a, you know, politics or interest rates or the weather or you know, some virus out of China or just any of that crap. It's because you have yet to learn and accept, well, really accept and then learn, that the more people you help accomplish their goals in life, and the more of your goals you're going to be able to accomplish. And that means, you know, I remember with Julie and I, we've been in front of groups of people many, many times, thousands of times, so many that we don't even really want to do it anymore. And when we ask, you know, we'll open up to question and answers, and someone always comes up with some stump the coach type question about why I didn't get the listing. You know, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. They're trying to basically, you know, make it so that there was no explanation. 
And then here's my answer. I said, it's because you didn't earn the listing. In the eyes of the seller, they thought the other agent was better than you. So the question you have to ask yourself is where was the other agent better than you? Why was it that the seller chose them over you? And you can't say because the, the other agent set a higher price or a lower commission. You have to be more introspective. Don't just look for the easy way out. Look for the painful reasons why. And then you start self-discovering that maybe the other agent was better because of their better salesmanship. They're better at answering questions. They're better at you know, maybe telling the person in a better way that something they don't want to hear. These are all things that only come from experience. So what I'll try to leave this with you guys, and Julie's going to get to at these points, and I really want you to be very clear on this, is that it is your moral prerogative to be rich, your moral obligation. We did a series of podcasts on this, and people loved it. It's your moral obligation to be rich because that means you're going to have had to help more people accomplish their goals. You're going to have to have been of a higher level of service to more people for you to accomplish that. And in real estate, with the information, the access to you know, frankly, our coaching program and the other wonderful things out there, you do have a fast track to learning how to be of service to more people. You do have a fast track of learning how to basically make a lot of money. But remember what your coach told you. It's not enough to make a lot of money. When you hear agents bragging about the amount of, you know, the dollar volume in their units, what you really want to know, and they'll never know, they'll never tell you, is what their net income was. The net income is the only thing that matters. The rest of it is just passing numbers through. So if you don't have enough net income, you're never going to be able to reinvest that money and make it so that you're rich where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. And ultimately, don't you want to be financially free? Isn't that really at the core reason? So you can spend more time with your friends and your family, so you can donate more money, so you can be more of a contributor in the way that you choose and how you choose, opposed to having to earn the money just to basically make ends meet. Julie, do you think this is resonating with enough people that it makes sense? I know it is. I know it is from the emails that they send us and from some of the coaching calls and even the questions that I get in from your coaching. Maybe not with all of them, but, you know, that's okay. Maybe later for some of them. Maybe it was however many today. I know it resonates because of the feedback that we get. And, you know, I, I feel it for them. It is painful sometimes. Like your, your uh, talk about why they didn't get the listing. It's because they chose somebody else. That's really, really challenging for some people to admit to accept, but once you have, that allows you to fix those issues. It allows you to grow, just like the financial conversations. If you are not providing for yourself and your family at the level to meet or exceed your goals, it's because you haven't figured out how to help the right amount of people to get yourself there, which might be related to why you didn't get the listing. You see how it's all interconnected. So, yes, yep. this is my shorter answer. <laughs> yeah, and your highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to other people. And everything else, look, you don't have to be passionate to be successful. That's a big lie. You don't have to know what your big why is either. That's going to change constantly. What you just have to accept the fact is that you're going to feel the most fulfilled, the most important, the most needed, the most human when you're helping somebody else. That's how we're all wired unless you're a sociopath. Okay? And so assuming you're not, you understand what I'm saying at a very core level. By the way, we've been getting a lot of calls and emails from you guys asking us about our involvement in EXP Realty. Yes, we're involved in EXP Realty. Someone said, I didn't know that you were. It's like, how can you not know? But it's because we don't talk about it constantly. So if you want to learn more about EXP Realty, it really is the smartest way forward for really I, all of you. It is. It's a conversation I need to be having with all of you. If you're ready to join EXP Realty, I want you to text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. If you're just in the getting ready uh, EXP Curious phase, well, I want you to go ahead and text the word EXP 
to 31996. So if you're just EXP curious, text the word EXP to 31996. If you're ready to join, just want to you know, answer your few lingering questions, text me directly at 512-758-0206. Julie? Yes, so we are continuing where we started with your 14 rules for financial peace. If you missed the first couple of rounds of that with our previous points, just go to realestatecoachingradio.com and get caught up on those so I don't have to rehash them. Our last three points, and then tomorrow we'll have a new topic. Uh, Point number 12, and this is something that we see probably more when the market is hot and there's been escalating prices, everybody's feeling good. Point is this, don't flip property that you wouldn't want to own as a rental if the market changes on you. And this is related to previous points about, you know, investing in real estate and how to go about that. But some of you guys are getting really deep into the world of flipping. Remember, things can change. Just because it's got, you know, three or four, even 10 years of appreciation history doesn't mean that something can't happen, put more inventory on the market. Maybe that's not the neighborhood that's hot anymore. We saw that when we were selling, especially, you know, trendy golf course communities and other things of other nature that can change on you. So plan on keeping it as a rental. If you're okay with that, then probably proceed to flip. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? There's so many varieties of fix and flip and rentals and all the rest. It's kind of a can of worms. Um, so I'll tell you this, if you guys get a fix and flip that makes really good sense and the cash flow makes sense and all of it makes sense <laughs> when owning it, holding it for long term, why flip it? Keep it. You know, when yeah. you guys flip, you, you're going to have to eventually pay the tax on that. But if you have a great right. if you, I have many coaching clients that will do usually a flip or two per quarter and they'll make 30 to 50 mm-hmm. grand per quarter or per flip. But then when you do the math on that after taxes and whatnot, it just does not even make sense. They'd be much better off over a long period of time to have held that property and just kept it as a rental and let the tenant pay it off and keep the cash flow from it. So, you know, you know it's, it's true. It's funny but true. The best time to sell a, a cash flow, positive, you know, great investment property, the best time to sell it is never. So when you have investment right. properties, the way, you want to, the way you want to accumulate long-term wealth is just never sell them, literally never sell them. There was an interesting study. Um, it wasn't much of a study. It was just a guy that just did a little bit of history. That in the 1900, I think, that he said there was 5,000 or something like that in America millionaires. And he then said the premise of his, his study was where are all the billionaires? Because his premise was if there were that many billionaires, uh, millionaires, single-digit millionaires in 1900, by now all of them had they kept their assets just in the stock market, <laughs> didn't, you know, didn't take anything risky, just put it in the S&P 500 through an index fund or thing, or whatever the vehicle was back then, but just basically put it in the stock market and passive investors in the stock market, they'd all be worth around 70 to $80 billion now. So wow. the premise of this research was where the hell are all the billionaires? It's because what happens mm-hmm. is people take too many risks. They get silly. They, try, they don't realize the power of buying and holding. And, you know, Warren Buffett, if you guys want to talk about securities, he tells you the best play is not to flip, not to you know short or long or play games in the stock market. It's to buy good long-term assets and hold them forever. Well, the same is true with rental properties. But what happens is your software and your brain doesn't tell you that. You think about flips and good opportunities to hold investments. You think about that in transactional nature. And the reason you do that is because many of you will buy a house to flip and then you'll stop making money from transactional income, and that flip money then becomes the money you need to pay your bills, and you actually didn't move the needle financially for you. You guys see the, the fallacy in your logic? So when you get a house that makes sense to flip, opposed to flipping it, 
leave the equity in the house, and then make it into a rental. Okay, there's a move for all of you to consider. All right, <laughs> yeah. Next one, Julie. Next point. Well, you were talking about Warren Buffett. Somebody asked him how much he lost in the recession in 2007 and yeah. 8. He said not one red cent. Well, why is that? Well, because he didn't cash anything out. You only have that realized loss if you actually sell. So to your point, if it makes sense as a flip, it probably makes a lot of sense as a rental, especially long term. So this is all good. All right, let's see. Point number 13, schedule weekly financial checkups with yourself by visiting mint.com. That was one of our first points is to use mint.com every Monday morning, looking at your savings chart, et cetera. Actually check in with your investments, with your savings, with what's going on. And Mint is great for tracking all of that kind of stuff on one page. At a glance, it is literally your financial dashboard. And I think it's awesome because you don't have to log into all these different places where you've got, you know, maybe your stocks are in one place and your rentals are, are in some other management platform and then your savings account is here and your checking account is there. Mint.com puts that all into one glance and lets you know exactly what's going on. And it'll also forecast Based, after you've been using it for a while, it will forecast that this month it looks like um, you know, you're going to be 20% over on whatever expenditure. You're spending more on gas this month. Maybe that's because you're driving buyers around. It, it kind of is like a financial nanny, which I think is really good for people. Okay, so we have here's – a, here's a shocking one. Last point, but we hear it too much. Don't live without health insurance – or E&O insurance. I, I'm still shocked that any broker would let you operate under their umbrella with no E&O insurance. But that's a thing that I hear time to time. And then, of course, health insurance. One of the most common things that will wreck you financially is some unforeseen health issue that you'll have to be paying off for the rest of your life. We have a friend that had health insurance but was underinsured, a friend of ours in Florida. She had basically a, a simple accident that – Julie? So I know she's talking about, she's talking about Michelle. So basically what Michelle, she fell down some basement stairs and she got a concussion and the concussion was so bad. It kept her in the hospital for like a month. And her whole, her medical bills from that were $350,000 that her insurance company wouldn't pay. Um, so, you know, that was basically her insurance coverage only covered a certain amount and the rest was basically, um, you know, money she had to come up with out of pocket. So what Julie is saying is very, very important. If you think about from a um, – and we see this from coaching. If you see where people screw themselves up financially, it always comes down to the same thing. What Julie was just talking about with a, an inability to pay a medical bill, you see that people screwing up because they basically buy too many rental properties or flips, especially when the market's changing. They over-leverage themselves, which is classic dumb. You see people – the other thing that really screws people up, they have a hard time getting up after um, big business failures. That usually, obviously, in our realm, it's going to be a brokerage that fails, and that's almost always followed by or preceded by a, um, a marital problem. So those are pretty much the big four things. You've got a health problem. You've got some sort of self-created financial problem or, or personal problem. And, you know, if you can avoid those things in life, generally speaking, you're going to be way happier and way richer and have a lot less stress. So just kind of monitor the things. You're back on. You can just sort of monitor the things that you know you can control. Um, you know, and it really is the, the money conversation. It, it's not about like Instagram success. It's not about uh, it's not about looking rich. It's not about leaning on a Ferrari and taking a picture for this, that or the other. OK, what we're talking about is essentially this the sense of security, the sense of well-being that comes from the knowledge that 
your money is coming in from multiple sources every month. If Julie and I could create that in our lifetime, so can you. And I'll tell you right now, guys, and Julie and I talked about this on a, a podcast that's coming out next Sunday, one of the greatest opportunities to create wealth that I've ever seen in our 20-plus years in, in the real estate business is definitely from eXp Realty. Without getting into the weeds, this is the, the revenue share program that they offer is really phenomenal, and that's something all of you need to be seriously considering and looking into. Um, again, I know some of you take offense when we talk about eXp Realty. Just get over it and open your eyes to what they're offering for agents. Most agents don't retire, and if they do retire, they're, you know, like I said, dependent on the government or a family member. And what eXp has created is they've created opportunities for you to create passive income through multiple streams, which is like nothing we've ever seen before. Um, so what I want you to seriously consider doing is if you're eXp curious, just text the word eXp to 31996. Or if you're ready to have a very serious conversation about moving forward with eXp, I want you to uh, just text me at 512-758-0206. And that is my cell phone. I will answer the phone. I mean, I'll answer the text. And we'll schedule a call, and we'll answer your questions, and chances are you'll want to move forward. But don't wait on these things. Um, we're in this sort of weird uh, phase in the real estate market that's really historically never happened before. Everybody and their brother thought we'd be in the throes of some sort of, you know, financial downturn of some variety. And I, I suppose maybe it's still on the horizon, just people can't see it. But here's what I do know. If you haven't accumulated enough passive income and wealth, as a result of what's probably going to be remembered as the greatest housing market of all of our lifetimes, you've got to really be honest with yourself that maybe you just don't have the software to make those things happen. Go back and listen to part one and part two, 14 rules for financial. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>